When I was a kid, my greatest desire was to know what my happy ending would be. When I would read books and the plot would get to be too stressful or too anticipatory, I would go to the last chapter and I would read it because I so deeply needed to know that these characters that I'd come to love and have a relationship would have a happy ending. And I lived my life, my young life, in that state of eager anticipation, of fully believing and embodying the thought, the construct of the happy ending. And the construct that I let in was the predominant social narrative for women that you would find your calling and enter your perfect profession, that you would find your partner, that you would get married and that you would have children and that you would have a happy family. And that was my happy ending. I can't tell you how many hours I spent ruminating on when would I know, when would I find out, when would my happy ending finally be revealed to me? And I walked that path. I talked about this in my first episode, but there were so many threads in telling my story. Today, I'm pulling the thread of motherhood. And it won't be the only time I pull this thread because it's complex and it's complicated. And we could talk about mothering and motherhood and what that means in all of its incarnations forever. Today, I'm going to tell my mothering story because it was an integral part of my happy ending. One thing I knew for sure my whole life was that I wanted to have babies. I wanted to be a mom. Every job I entered into was caretaking. I was a babysitter. I was a lifeguard. I was a camp counselor. Uh, I became a teacher. All of those roles were in service of children because that is what I wanted more than anything was to be a mom and to be a caregiver. And my happy, and so my happy ending hinged on that, on having children. And there is an infrastructure that we build to make sure that we get that happy ending. So I did all the things. I went to university. I went to teacher's college. I found a partner. And as I was building that infrastructure, it was always towards the goal of my happy ending of this family. I want to take a minute right now also to acknowledge that my road to motherhood was not everyone's road to motherhood. And I know that deeply 
my road was really smooth. I found a beautiful partner who was and is a wonderful father who was supportive. We got pregnant pretty much as soon as we started trying. And my pregnancies were mostly smooth. I did have high blood pressure at the end of both of them. So that tension existed. But I didn't lose a baby. I didn't struggle to become pregnant. My body actually really loved being pregnant. And I know that that is not every woman's truth and that is not every woman's story. And so if your experience was very different or even just a little different, I want you to know that I see you and I hold space for you and the story that you have. And I can only tell my own story. So my story was that I loved being pregnant. Aside from the four-month hangover that I experienced, (laughs) there were lots of moments I will never forget being in our backyard and I had, I woke up on a Saturday morning and I'd finally felt like I had a spark of energy and I was about two and a half or three months at this point. Uh, And I went out into the backyard and I got a shovel and I was starting to work in the garden and I shoveled maybe two shovel scoops of earth and I sat down in the garden and started to cry. And Ken, my partner, came into the backyard and he found me in the dirt crying. And he thought initially I had hurt myself. So he's like, are you okay? What's going on? And I said, I just am so tired. (laughs) Growing small humans is no small task. It is hugely energy expensive on our bodies, on our hearts. It takes all of our bodily systems to make that happen. It's part of why it is so miraculous. And after I made it through the first four months of hangover, I felt like a fucking superwoman. I loved my body. I loved the way it was changing. I thought it was like the coolest science experiment ever watching my hips go from being straightforward to completely turning out at an angle. My hair was shiny. My skin was great. And I loved that feeling of connection of this tiny human that was living inside of me, growing and developing and changing. And I was so connected to both of these small humans. I have two children. I have two boys. And with each pregnancy, I knew who they were before they were even born. Uh, Will, my oldest who just turned 18, I knew that he was this old soul 
it's hard to describe, but it's like he was this orca whale. The way he would move, it was very purposeful and it was calm and they were big movements. One of my other plainest memories was sitting at lunch across from a colleague and Will gave the most massive punch and my shirt jumped up and my colleague sitting across from me jumped back and she was like, what was that? Like, oh yeah, that's the baby. That is my child. It's incredible the way these humans make themselves known in the world, even when they're not quite yet in it. And it, every moment of it was a miracle to me. Each shift and change in their development, my appointments with my midwives, who I still hold in such a deep place in my heart because they were so there. They were so present in their care. They were with me. They, they gave me all of the information and insight that I needed. They were kind. They were patient. They understood the depth of the shifts that was happening, not only in my physical body, but in my thought body, in my emotional body, in my heart body, and they were there for all of it. And during the most stressful times when my blood pressure was really, really high, and I was at an appointment with one of my midwives, and she looked at me and said, it's time, we have to go to the hospital. And I was so scared. And she was so calm and so connected to me in that moment that I put all of my trust and faith into her and knew that I would go where she led because she was absolutely had my care and the care of this growing human at the center of everything she was doing. And when you're in that state of heightened fear, the hospital is a really scary place. And I was so grateful to have her by my side advocating for me, going to the nurses, going to the doctor, making sure that I was seen. And after I was seen by the doctor, which was a 30 second, maybe a couple of minutes, she spent the time with me after to check in, to make sure I understood everything that was happening, that I understood the treatment plan, that I understood how things were going to go forward, that I understood how I and my baby were being impacted by the process of what was happening. And during my birth, the same thing happened. Uh, I had to be induced with Will and I labored all day and I still remember thinking that the nurse who was with me for the induction and my midwife were 
the best actresses I had ever seen and probably deserved an Oscar because as I was pushing, they were beside me and they were cheering me on and saying, yes, you're doing great. And the doctor came in and said, how's she doing? And both my midwife and my induction nurse looked at him and just shook their heads. And I remember thinking, what do you, what do you mean? You're shaking your heads. You just said I was doing great. Well, it turns out my contractions had stopped. And when I pointed that out, they didn't really believe me. They're like, no, your contractions had stopped. You just don't feel them because you have an epidural. And I said, no, no, I could still feel the contractions. And they went and they looked at that birthing ticker tape and they came back and they were like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> Indeed, my contractions had stopped and I needed a C-section. And again, I was so deeply grateful for my midwives being with me in that process because they walked me through everything that was happening. They kept me calm. They kept me feeling that everything was okay. And when Will was born, he went directly into their care. And so I knew that he was being cared for in the way that I would care for him. And that is the power of women in caregiving positions who know and understand what is happening with you and your body. And so I am forever grateful to those women who helped me bring these new humans into the world. And then after this incredible pregnancy experience, a slightly traumatic birth experience, suddenly in a heartbeat, I was a whole new person. I had this completely new role that even though I experienced having a wonderful mother, nothing prepares you for that feeling of, oh my God, I, I, my sole role now is to keep this human alive. And when they are small, it's not easy. Again, uh, I will never forget my midwife, Sarah, saying to me, their needs are few, but constant. And was that ever the truth? Their needs are few and constant. And in that constantness, you give over everything about your life, about what your identity was, about who you were. And three weeks before, I had been an educator. I had been going out into the world every day. I had been interacting with lots of people every day. I held this professional identity that I knew and that I understood and that I could relate to. And three weeks later, I was a completely different person. And I remember so clearly having this conversation with Ken because that shift to parenthood for men is different. 
it's not the same instantaneous, complete shift of everything in your life. At least it wasn't in my experience. I know there are men who take the parental leave and so they become that parent right away. My story, however, and Ken was a wonderful father. He was very engaged, part of everything. And that instantaneous shift about everything in your identity is still different. I think Will was about three weeks old and Ken came home and I was having a bit of a meltdown. And this is where this conversation first happened, where I said, your life didn't completely change. You still go out to work every day. You still hold your professional role. You interact with all of the same people. When you come home, your life is different, but the majority of your day is the same. My life is unrecognizable today than it was a month ago. And that is a huge shift in identity to have to think about and process while your body is healing from the experience of birth, from growing a human, for now trying to produce milk to feed this human, and constantly caring for their needs. And while there is great joy in experiencing the happy ending. And I laugh now because I so understand that it is not an ending. There's joy in that. And there is grief. I remember we had friends over for dinner. And even though this was my greatest desire, having this baby was my greatest desire. I was talking to my friend and I said to her, this was a terrible idea. And if you are a new mom out there who is listening, I want you to know it is okay to feel that way. Uh, and any other women who have been through that transition, if you felt that way, I wish we could have expressed that to each other. Because in mom classes, so much of it is about like, how great I'm doing and look at me and we're doing this and we're doing this. And that's, there's great community building through that. There's also real authenticity and genuine connection when we can say to each other, this is fucking hard. This is way fucking harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm scared and I'm exhausted and I don't know who the fuck I am. And then the year, that first year of life suddenly passes by. I remember early on thinking, this is going to last forever. This is going to be my life forever. I'm never going to do anything other than feed and change and nap and try to make some sort of food in between all of that. And yet, in a heartbeat, suddenly, my newborn baby was a year old. And through that year, I had come through that struggle and through that change, I had really come 
into myself in that new identity as a mother. And I was, and I was really happy. Was it perfect? No. Was it still hard? Of course. But I had come to appreciate the slower pace of my life that this small human forced me into. And that became a really beautiful thing. And so after this year of constant change and transition, I again faced another transition of being a young mother going back to work and trying to pick up the threads of my life that existed before everything about who I was changed. And that transition was also not easy. In some ways, it was like I had never left. And in some ways, it was like I had never done this job before. (laughs) Because here I was trying to figure out how to be both a professional and be a mother who gave everything she could to this young human who she just loved and adored so much. And it is in that confluence of trying to be all things that we completely lose ourselves because we have so many expectations of role that there's no space for who I am. And I didn't even notice it happening because I was so wrapped up in having my happy ending of having two young humans who I was so deeply in love with and my partner who I loved and this career that I loved, but there was so much role and responsibility in all of those things that who I was, who Lisa was, was, was gone. I was my roles and I was my responsibilities. And that didn't really come into clear vision for me until Will and Nate were in grades one and two. And so life again was changing. There was so much more independence on their part and still so much care needed from me, but not at the same level. And I was in a, in a role where I was um, coaching other educators and there were in this year, there happened to be three women who I was working with closely who all were experiencing their children leaving and going to university. And all three of these women I got to know through my conversations with them had completely given themselves over to their children They did everything for them. Their entire life revolved around these children. And now that they had left and gone to university, they had, there was so much pain and grief because they had no idea who they were or what they were going to do with their lives now. And so that seed of what this transition would be was planted in me early But because I was still so wrapped up in all of my roles and responsibilities, 
that seed was there, but I didn't have time to really take care of that seed or think about what that would mean in my life. I also wasn't quite ready because society had programmed me for this version of my life. I was living my happy ending, right? I was in my early thirties. I had two babies um, and I had everything I had imagined. I had this young family and I had never even considered what my life would look like on the other side of that. And seeing these women go through it was so shattering to me in so many ways that I wasn't ready to look at it. And it was many years before I was really ready to look at it. But there was one moment the boys were probably in grades five and six, I want to say, and they had actually left the house before I did. And I was home having a cup of tea. And that was a massive transitional shift for me because up until that point, mornings had been this running of the gauntlet. I remember when the boys were much smaller uh, I'm, they were probably maybe not quite in school yet even. And I got to work one morning and I sat down on the couch of the staff room and I just started to cry. And a colleague came in as I was in this mid meltdown and she sat beside me and I just said, I've already wor- worked a full day and the school day hasn't even started. I'm so tired. I don't know how I can do today. And she looked at me and she gave me space to feel what I was feeling. And she said, it won't always be this way. And it was a kindness in the moment that I really appreciated. And I also didn't realize just how deep the meaning of that was of it won't always be this way. Because as much as those mornings were so hard, I also was living the life I had always imagined. And so that morning, when I was sitting on the couch drinking tea by myself, I realized two things in one heartbeat. I realized, one, this is glorious. I finally have some time to myself. There is some quiet this is incredible. And I realized, oh, that time has already come where it won't always be this way. And what does that mean for me now? And so that is when I really started to lean into, there is going to be a chapter of my life that I have never considered the chapter when my children don't need me all the time, the chapter when they are coming into their own. And when they do need me, it's big, but it is not 
the small and constant needs anymore. And I didn't have a lot of story to base what that would look like. From my own experience, I, I don't know what it was like for my mom when I left home because I was the one doing the leaving. I wasn't the one doing the staying and yet again, having to find a new identity. I was finding my identity of who I was as a student, as who I was as a young woman out in the world, figuring out who I was going to be. And my mom was the one who stayed home. And I didn't think about her experience because we don't. <laughs> when we're young teenagers and in our, or in our late teens and early 20s, that part of our brain development and experience just isn't there to think about, I wonder what this is like for my family, for my parents. And because my mom died when... Nate was not quite one and Will was not quite two. I didn't have the chance or the opportunity to ask her what that felt like. I did ask my grandma not too long ago. She's now in her 90s. So it was a reach back for her, but she was really generous in letting me know that it was a challenging time for her. And even thinking back all those years, she could remember how hard it was to release those human. And so I knew that I wasn't alone. Having that conversation with her and seeing the way she relived those feelings, even all those years later, it's clear that this phase, this transition is just as difficult as that transition of how the fuck do I keep this small human alive? <laughs> Only now it was not only who am I in relation to these small humans, it now is who am I in relation to these adults who are now finding their own way and who am I? All of those parts of me, of Lisa, that I had lost in my roles and responsibilities, I needed to find a way to come back to. And it's one of the things I know now that I didn't anticipate at the beginning of this motherhood journey. And that is that motherhood is this series of small heartbreaks of constantly letting go and of realizing that motherhood is this deeply complex identity because your identity 
is in relation to other humans. And yet the time will come when those humans have their own identity and are building their own lives. And I, again, have to figure out who I am now in relation to no one but myself and my, and my lived experiences. Motherhood is not just heartbreaks and small letting go. It's also great joy and excitement and in some ways getting to relive your, your own experiences was so clear for me in um, my boy's journey at camp. Um, there will be a camp episode coming up soon, <laughs> which might sound trite, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is not. The camp that I went to as a child and then worked at uh, has been the fertile ground of my entire life. And my boys loved it just as much as I did. And so they went there their whole childhood and Will worked there for the first time last summer. And it was incredible to listen to his stories and see the staff and be able to relive that part of my life just for a few instants. Um, gosh, picking him up on the last day of camp and feeling that sorrow and grief in my bones <laughs> that I could see on all of the faces of these young people who were saying goodbye to their summer community. I know how hard that is. And watching it continue, watching that story continue to play out is a beautiful thing. Knowing that the world we present and create for the small humans in our care so shapes them and their trajectories in so many ways. It's, it's a big part of why we lose our own identity because we become so wrapped up in creating this space and this world for them to be who they are and in some ways to be who we are and we were. And so as the boys got older and I did have more time, I leaned into things that I knew I would need, that I knew would start to bring me back to myself. One of them being a daily movement practice that has been essential in my life in giving me a set amount of time to love my body enough to move it and care for it and keep it whole and healthy. Relationships with other women has also been essential. I live in a house of men, <laughs> which is both challenging and wonderful all at the same time, but it would be more challenging were it not for the incredible networks of women that I have built in my life, because I also knew 
that I would need them. I would need this community of women to help me find myself again, to give me time where I would leave this house and all of my caregiving duties and go and connect around the similar experiences that we were having, the different experiences that we were having to laugh and to be joyful and to cry and to grieve and to do all of the things, but to do it together. That circle of women is what has kept me going. And it's what has started that journey back to myself. And even with all of those things that I had started putting into place years before my boys would be launching into the world and being more independent, I still didn't prepare, couldn't prepare myself for what it feels like to really be on the precipice of this. Right now, both boys have jobs on the weekends, and so they are gone and out of the house, and it's just Ken and I. And thankfully, I appreciate his company. (laughs) We have great conversation. But on Saturday morning, it was the first morning where they were both out of the house. I looked at him, and it was so quiet, and we didn't have a massive list of tasks that had to be completed. And... I asked the question, well, now what? We had built the infrastructure for a life with small humans for this young family. We have a house that is much larger than two people need. It's perfect for four people. We have this house And on weekends, we had always had these routines to make sure everything got done that needed to get done so that we could launch into the week again. And suddenly all of this infrastructure that I had spent my whole life either planning or building, I no longer need all of that infrastructure. And that is a sense of both accomplishment and loss that I continue to grapple with. What infrastructure do I do I keep? What infrastructure do I let go? What does that mean for who I am now? The day after Will turned 18, I was racked with waves of grief that I was not anticipating. He lives in this house still. I see him every day still. And yet that legal designation of him being an adult and him no longer technically being in our custody was a wave of realization that hit me in ways I was not ready for. And I'm still not ready for. And yet it is the reality. It is the phase of life that I am now living in and working to figure out what that means 
for this life that I built, but most importantly for my identity and who I am now. I've done a lot of work in reconnecting with myself. I have done a lot of work in disconnecting from all of the narratives and stories that were written for me. Some that I wrote for myself, definitely some that were written by other people and are not at all true. But I've had to do a lot of work to disconnect from all of those narratives that were being told about who I was. to reconnect with who I am, to come home to myself. And while I am more at home in myself and with who I am, it is still a process in this ever-changing and shifting role of mother and motherhood. And what that means at each precious, challenging phase of the story that is continuing to be written. What I know for sure is that trying to figure that out in isolation is lonely and hard And I don't think it's really possible. While yes, it is important to take time in self-reflection, it is crucial to have a community of humans who are also going through the same thing. And so one of the steps I am taking is launching Uh, healing envisioning women's workshop or women's circles. And my intention in that is to share the work that I have already done and to build that community with women who are having similar or different experiences, but just so that we can be together in community. If that sounds like something that your heart is calling you to, the link for it will be in the show notes. Being together in community is the best thing we can do for each other. It is where our power lies and it is where healing lives. And it is where we build our roads forward. And now that I'm on the other side of my happy ending, I know that life is a series of joys and heartbreaks and letting goes. We experience it intensely during our mothering periods, but those joys and heartbreaks and letting goes continue. There is no last chapter to go to and read to find out how it all turns out because we are in a constant stage of evolution through all of it, through the good, through the hard, through it all, 
we are continuously writing our own stories. So are you ready? Are you ready to take control of the pen and be the author and narrator of your own story? Are you ready to make the choices and decisions that bring you back to who you truly are, who bring you home to yourself, to who you truly are now in this moment? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me today. It means so much to me that you give space for these conversations and these stories in your life. That's the goal of this podcast is to build heart and soul and thinking connections. And I can't share how grateful I am to you for giving time for this. Please rate, review, share this podcast It means so much to me when I hear back from listeners. Uh, If you scroll down in the description, you'll see a spot where you can send in uh, voice notes. You can also message me directly on my Facebook page or on Instagram. Your thoughts mean so much to me, and I am so grateful when you share them. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the Lean In community. Lots of love. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.